Welcome to the Pacific Point Church Podcast, where we're learning to love and live like Jesus. During this half hour, we're praying that God will direct, encourage, and speak to you. If you would like to partner with Pacific Point Church and our church plants, visit us at pacificpointchurch.com slash give. At that same site, you can also watch and listen to previous sermons, read follow-up blog posts and extended notes, and even connect with Pacific Point Church on social media. We hope you're encouraged by today's message. Okay, we are so excited, y'all. We have Barry Martinez. Barry, you want to start to make your way up here? Lots of things we could say about Barry. He lives in Huntington Beach and has just really sewn into uh, the community of Orange County for a really long time. He's on staff with FCA, if any of you are athletes and Fellowship of Christian Athletes. And, uh, you know, we could go on and on about the different accolades that that he has and all that he brings to the table of uh, Christianity and, and just Christians here in Orange County. But more than anything, he has been such a dear friend to John and uh, to our family. And we love him and appreciate him. And thank you so much for stepping in this morning. So excited to hear from you today. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks, Test one, two. All right, we're good. Hey, uh, today's message is uh, on the goodness of God, and it's about relationships. So talking about uh, the relationships that, that we have with each other and also with God. And, um, but I kind of want to start it off with uh, something that's a little bit different. Excuse me. And that is, uh, I want to call it uh, memory jogging. Uh, because my memory, I'm going to talk a little bit about my memory. So I just turned 46 20 years ago. And so I'm discovering my memory piece is a little bit different. So I'm playing these little games, my wife and I, uh, especially with me, she's laughing. So one of the games is I go into a room with an absolute purpose of why I go into another room. Why am I here? I know I came in for something, and then a little bit later, oh yeah, there's another game I call microwave beeping, and it's actually a little, it's like Christmas, or my birthday, what's it, bing, popcorn, yeah, so I just, my memory is slowly, slowly going, but I want to jog our memory a little bit on going back, and, and I would call this, actually, if there was a title, it would be Rediscovering or Discovering our Why, Why We Do Certain Things. So I want to share a story, but before I do, I've got to ask a question, and you can respond if you want. It's kind of nice to have a, a, a little bit of a, a smaller group, um, but the question is, <clears throat> have you ever done anything dumb? I'm going to use the word stupid. <clears throat> you're smiling, you're laughing, so I feel a little bit better. I'm in good company. So I've done a few things. Have you ever done anything dumb to injure yourself or put yourself in jeopardy? Just a quick show of hands. I want to know the, all right, yeah, praise God. All right, cool. So I'm at this point, I'm trying to figure it out. I had this discussion with my dad who just passed away. He's with the Lord. And my mom and my dad in the same year, this last year, 2022, it was tough. So I have this empathy for John, like losing his mom. You can't pick up the phone and hear their voice anymore. It's tough. But on, on my side also, there's a little bit of jealousy. The, the night that my mom passed away, um, I think it's Mercy Me song, I Can Only Imagine. And I was bawling. It was a fr- I'm not a crier. I was crying, thinking about it. Mom and dad both gone. And then it came on there, and in this, the lyrical content in there is pretty theologically sound. I can only imagine what it must be like 
Am I gonna dance? Am I just gonna be in awe? Can I even speak at all? And, and in this crying, I was looking up and thinking, Mom, I don't feel sorry for you at all. You are the, you got a, you're in perfection right now and you're with Jesus. You're with the one that loves you so much. And my parents loved Jesus. They came to the Lord a little bit later in life. And uh, it was so cool to see that, that transition and how they, they loved him. And they would also say why they loved him. So I'm four or five years old. I have two older brothers, and I bruise the still to show it. They were just, my brothers were like refrigerators with heads. They were huge. I was called Bambi, not a great name if you want to be the tough guy, but that's how much bigger and stronger and what they would do to me. So, uh, and to keep me occupied, my parents figured out right away, I don't know why, but um, they put me, they gave me a box and I could build a fort, I could do whatever. And we, our house was in the middle of the street in LA and right in dead center. And there was a lot of traffic going both ways. So here's what I did, the dumb thing I did. I took this box, small like a TV box, uh, just empty box, and I went out to the middle of the street, and I climbed inside the box, and I put the, the, the lid, the flaps over. I don't know why. People said, tell me again why you did that thing. I don't know. I'm four or five. I'm stupid. That's what we're supposed to do. And I hear a car coming, to, and it's in the middle of the street. I hear a car coming, and it's, I, I'm, and I'm, it, I, I can't remember exactly what I was thinking, but I knew that that wasn't good. It stopped, right? So it didn't hit the car, uh, so it didn't hit me in the box. And then Mr. Jensen that lived one house uh, over, and then right across the street, he was a teacher. And he came, I can remember him come running out. I remember he had these hard wingtip shoes he always wore. And he came out, and, it was, uh, and he opened the box, and... I'm there. He pulls me out, takes the box over to the side where our house is. is gonna He has me by my hand, and he's going to take me in to go tell my dad. And I'm begging. I'm crying that because I inevitably knew what would happen, and that would be a whooping, and that's just kind of what my dad did. And so I'm begging, and I'm telling him. I'm crying. I said, I'll never do it again. I never do I don't remember all the words, but I was promising him, I'll never, ever, ever do it again. Please don't tell him. He says, okay, if you do it again, you know, I'm going to go tell him. So Mr. Uh, Jensen goes back across the street, and I remembered the, the uh, door closing. As soon as it closed, yeah, I went out. I took the box, put it in the middle of the street, climbed in. Put the lids over it, and I don't know why, just I'm stupid. And then I hear this, this car coming down the street, and there was a lady that lived down at the corner, and she, was a, uh, she had a big car, a huge, like a Pontiac, a huge giant car, and she used to just gun it. And I remember she turned the corner, and I remember hearing that sound of the car. And then I was thinking again, this, is, this isn't going to end well, but not thinking it all the way through. She hits, the, she hits the brake right before and stops prior to me coming out. I hear Mr. Jensen's click, 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 click. His shoes comes out. He opens up the box, and there I am. He takes me, and he takes me to the curb, and then he's going to take me in again. I'm, I'm saying, I'll never do it again. I'll never do it again. Empty words. So he takes me inside, knocks on the door, takes me in. My dad's name's Willie. He said, Willie, let me tell you what Barry did. And so he tells me, and my dad says, okay, thank you. And then uh, his, he leaves. My dad takes us, me into our bedroom, kicks my, well, there was three boys in, in the, uh, this one bedroom, kicks my brothers out and proceeded to put a whooping on me like crazy. I mean, 
there were bruises. There were little bruises. I've been telling him about that. He was in his 90s before he died. He goes, what are they going to do? <laughs> I said, Dad, that was abusive. No, it, was, it taught you a lesson. And it did. So to this day, my memory is jogged. I still can't step off a curb into the street because he said, he took me out and he said, if you ever step in the street again without holding your brother's hands or an adult's hands, he goes, you're going to get two of those weapons twice as hard. And I'm thinking, wow. So I adhered to his warning because I feared the penalty that was going to happen. So that jogged my memory. So that was my why. That was my cause that I listened to my dad. And again, I can't even go into the street today. I'm kidding. I can, but I do blame my dad for certain things. And that was one of them. So today, as we talk about, uh, again, our why, why certain things happen, we're going to look at some scriptures. And I think why we do a lot of things is called causation. And, and that causation can be, it can cause us, those are our reasons for our actions, our reactions, sometimes our emotions and why we do what we do. There's something, if you can track it back, the why. And, and we're, now we'll go into the relational piece, relationships. Relationships are best done like one-on-one -on -one and there's like equal parts. We've been married 39 years and it's been some the bumpy roads, but it's a relationship and friendships. And I've worked with, with teenagers for so many years in young 20s, high school and college age, for so many years, I hear terms like, I got your back to the grave and we're, you know, BFF and, and then that could last sometimes for a long time, but sometimes for a short time or until somebody crosses somebody. But we love that relationship. And check out this first slide. Sometimes we're knocking on the door for a relationship, but sometimes it doesn't happen. This is something I captured. It was posted uh, about oh, somebody desiring a relationship. We want relationships, right? And sometimes we're knocking on the wrong doors. Thank you, you take that down. But when I saw that, I cracked up because sometimes we look into relationships and we go a little bit further than what they are. But today we're going to look at a relationship that is a little bit unique in that it's different with our relationship with the Lord. It's, it's just different. So we're going to look at a couple of reasons that... We do what we do. And so I've got some questions for us. What would cause, so I was a youth pastor for a bunch, a bunch of years at a couple of different churches. And this family, or the dad and the mom came up, and they were like in tears. They were just so appreciative of what I did. I'm going to tell you in just a second, I barely even remember the, their kids. But they were just like, you stood up. You did this. You fed it. But... I really didn't know why it caused this, this ruffian and his wife to be so appreciative, but they believed that I was an instrument in their kids walking with the Lord and then helping them and standing in the gap. But there were so many kids I barely remember, but I was just thinking, wow, I didn't really do anything, but introduce them to Christ and then hopefully set a, a little bit of a role model and they didn't see all the bad stuff I do. But those kids were appreciative, and the parents, like, their heart was just wrenched. I remember just thinking it was kind of weird to me. And sometimes when something hits us hard, we see somebody else doing something for us. It causes us to do things that we normally wouldn't do. 
and just be appreciative. If you're in line at a, at a store or whatever and you're two cents short and somebody gives you two pennies to cover the cost, it's like, eh. But if you were about to lose your house or your car or claim bankruptcy and somebody said, I've got that covered, and they covered it, you'd go, wow. And what happens if they even had to take out a loan to cover that? You would be going, wow. That would be causation for us to say, thank you, thank you, thank you. And so as you can tell the direction that we're going today, and, and my hope and prayer is, and literally my prayer is that God help us to remember what God has done for us. Give us a clear, sober self-assessment of the relationship between us and God and what God desires. So what would cause Jesus' disciples to be tortured? To go to the death, to walk through a wall, to do what, what would cause that? And I think if you look at the scriptures, you would go, wow, they realized he was the Messiah, but he poured into them for at least three years. He loved on them, he cared for them, he taught them, and he gave them this bigger picture. What would cause, what would cause somebody to be stoned to death? In Acts chapter 6, we see Stephen being willing to be stoned to death. And, and I had heard it and heard it, and then I got a clearer description in reading about the pain when somebody was stoned to death. And not pebbles, but big rocks being thrown until, you were, until it was done. What would cause somebody to do that and not just say, I give up? The authorities told Peter and John to basically keep your mouth shut and quit talking about Jesus raising from the dead. The resurrection, stop it. And if you don't stop telling people about it, and just talk about God in the general sense, but quit talking about Jesus. And if you don't stop it, here's what's going to happen. We're going to be arrested and tortured. And this ministry that you're doing right now, there was this revival going on after Pentecost in Acts chapter 4. It was an actual revival going on. It's, it would stop because they would be in prison. And they said, what would cause them to say, you can do anything you want to us. Go ahead and, and arrest us, torture us, do whatever. But we will not stop preaching and telling people about Jesus. What would cause that? I think we know. I want to read this scripture. It's in Acts chapter 4. And if it can be, uh, I'm not sure if you can put that up on the screen. See if I can do that without my glasses because again I'm 46 I am just to add a few more years to that um, all the believers what would cause this this is kind of crazy especially the world that we live in today and I think this is actually more amazing to me than it, it used to be when I got to know and become an adult and seeing what's ours is ours and you are in the rest but what happened here and what what it what were the consequences of this it says, all the believers were in one heart and mind. No one claimed that any of his possessions were his own, but they shared everything they had. With great power, the apostles continued to testify to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and much grace was upon them all. There were no needy persons among them, for from time to time those who owned lands or houses sold them and brought the money from the sales and put it at the apostles' feet and it was distributed to anyone who had need. Joseph, a Levite from Cyprus, 
whom the apostles called Barnabas, which means son of encouragement, sold a field that he owned and brought the money and put it at the apostles' feet. So there was disunity. There's unity. And then working with teams, there's just something great about a team. And if you look at the, that hockey movie, anybody heard of hockey? Any hockey players around? Okay. <laughs> Miracle. There was something that happened in the movie. I, I love this part of the movie where he kept working them and working them and working them until they said, like, who do you play for? Who, who is it? And it was the USA. I got goosebumps thinking about it because they were, there was unity. So what happened here when they had the courage and what would cause them to sell everything that they had to make sure that there was... There was there was this equality that was going on. And it wasn't talking about lazy people. That's not what it's talking about at all. It wasn't talking about people that weren't willing to work. But people trusted the Lord and they were, what caused somebody to be all in? What caused somebody to say, I'm not playing for the name that's on the back of my jersey, but the name that's on the front of it? What would cause that? Those people that did that in, in Acts chapter 4 with John and Peter that said, I'm all in, just so you know the consequences or the blessings that happened, thousands, that, thousands came to the Lord right then. They received Christ, Jesus. They believed, they believed, they put their trust in him, they received him as their Lord and Savior, and their lives were impacted and changed, and there was the first great, great revival. Something that was dead there changed and, and because they were all in. To give you a story. So there was a convicted criminal sentenced to death. Not a very good person at all. Not at all. And the judge who had sentenced this person to death said there has to be a payment. There has to be a payment. And you've got life in prison. And this young guy was going to be abused. We don't even want to think about it. When he was going to go to prison, he was just going to be for the rest of his life. No chance of parole. He's going to have the worst life that you could imagine. And the judge says, hold on. I'm going to take my son. I only have one son, and I love him so much. My son is a model citizen. Never messed up. I'm going to put him in your place to, to pay your debt. I'm going to send my son to take it, and you're free to go. That person... And obviously, this is just a story. The scenario, the two scenarios, he could say, wow, judge, you're the greatest, so appreciative, and then leave. And then in a couple of months, kind of forget what had happened in his freedom. Or that convicted criminal would be so attached to that judge and so appreciative for the person that went to prison for him, be visiting constantly, be thanking him, be writing songs, and just heaping praises on that judge. So for us and for me, for Barry, I, this is really more of a message for me about why I do what I do. So there's two things that I know that I know that I know that I know. I'm indebted to, to the Lord for the rest of my life. I almost I was going to ask Chris if you could just introduce me as the poster child for the prodigal son. Because that's actually the truth. If you all knew me, you would go, why are you up front? I don't deserve literally anything. No stage, no pastoring, no ministry. 
but the Lord has paid my debt, and that debt needed to be paid. So that's my why. But I need to be reminded because at times I'm like the first scenario where I've gone and I've mailed it in. And I'm ashamed and I'm sorry and I've told the Lord so many times I'm so sorry. I want to remember and I want to say thank you. Could you hit that sheep slide? There's a scripture that talks about, it just seems kind of crazy that a shepherd would leave 99 sheep that are good and healthy and following the shepherd to go after one idiot sheep that would even cause others, by the way, sheep are so dumb, they really are. There's a great book called, uh, by Philip Keller called The Shepherds Look at Psalm 23, and sheep are so dumb, they just follow each other. Literally, they just they, they follow each other so bad that when, when the uh, rains come, it goes down into the valley, and there's a stream that sometimes becomes a river, and the sheep go down to get a drink, and they will go down there, and it's slippery, and they'll get a drink, and they'll fall in. And once they're in, and it's soaked it over their head, they die, they drown, and they're going down the river. Well, other shepherds have seen one sheep, another sheep, and another sheep, because they follow each other. They're that dumb. And also interesting that we're kind of described as sheep. <laughs> Truth. You can say what you want, but again, I'm going to go back. Like when you go, why are you talking about you trying to... Get, get, get us to give money. No, I'm just talking about what happened. I'm just exercising what's in here, history, and see when, when, what caused them to do that. And I think we'll get to that. We'll land on it in another few minutes. But it does seem crazy that, that Jesus said the good shepherd will leave 99 good, healthy sheep to go after the one. And here's why they don't, uh, not a great shepherd that really doesn't love that one idiot sheep. Because when the sheep comes back, it has a tendency to wander again. And so there's a lot of shepherds, they have to break the sheep's legs so the sheep can't lead others astray. Why has God blessed me beyond belief? I don't know. It seems crazy when I first see it until you're that one. I would think that that sheep would just be, I, I love this picture of Jesus putting the sheep on his shoulders and carrying him. That would cause that sheep to change. So uh, if you could bust up uh, Luke chapter 10 for me. So this is a story um, that happened with Jesus. So as Jesus and his disciples were on their way, he came to a village there he came to a village where a woman named Martha opened her home to him. She had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he said. But Martha was distracted by all the preparations that need to be made or had to be made, that must be made. And she came to him and said, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do all the work by myself? Tell her to help me. And Jesus said, Martha, Martha, you're worried and upset about many things, but few things are needed, or indeed only one, what is needed. Mary has chosen what, what is better, and it will not be taken away from her. And so today, I'm thinking, what caused Mary to sit at the Lord's feet? I mean, think about that for a second. Could you close your eyes, or at least pretend and make me feel better, like you're listening? Think about all was going on, the preparations, and Martha's running around. 
And think about for a second, just picture Mary sitting at the Lord's feet, thanking him. You can open your eyes. Worshiping him, maybe crying. And here's what I love more than that, is that Jesus protected it. And I'm thinking Jesus said, okay, Mary, that's good enough. There's a lot of work that needs to be done. But he said, I'm going to protect that. So what would cause us, what would cause me to just worship him, unbridled worship, to where I don't care that you hear my voice that's not very good. I don't care that you look at me and go, why is he standing up with his hands up? Why is that dude on his knees crying? But in the relational peace, it's, all, it's not even at all. It's not even. Nothing. But that he's, he's that, that person that went to prison for us. In seminary, there was this theological question and almost debate. Who loves, who loves me more? Who loves you more? The Father or Jesus? It's a great question. I ended up siding, once I had my son, I ended up siding with, my fa with the Father. Because I think I could take a bullet... I think I could go to prison, but I couldn't send my son there. I want you to think for a second about that abuse that that kid would take. And the debt had to be paid, and the judge saying, I'm sending my son. Oh my gosh, for those of you with kids, and if you've been in prison ministry at all, or you know what happens, I cannot believe the Father's love for me, and that's my why. So I'm in the two things that I know that I know that I know. I'm indebted to the Lord for the rest of my life. And the second one is I, I just want to tell people how good he is. We don't need a stage. It can be at the gas station. It can be at the bank. It can be hanging wood. It can be my neighbors. I want to tell them how good he is. I want to tell them why I may close my eyes and worship. I want to tell them why I would write a check or serve or give. story of the prodigal son, I'm, I'm assuming that you've heard it before, and you, maybe you've even talked about it and preached on it, but one more time, because this is me. So the father had two sons, and this is in, in, this is in Luke chapter 15. Father had two sons, a good one, and then an idiot one. And the idiot one, the selfish one, said, Dad, I know you've got what you're worth, and it's a big deal, and you have servants that work for you, you have the big house and everything, but I want my inheritance early. And it was so disrespectful. So he took his inheritance, took his dad's half of what he, what he, what he was worth, and took it with him, went off and just partied. Womanizer, drunkard, and then until he came to the end of his rope, and he was down and out and just about to die, literally and was slopping up food to feed pigs and didn't even have that to eat. So he comes ready to crawl back to his father and say, I'm sorry. But he, he didn't really have a ton of remorse in his heart. He was actually planning out what he was going to say to get in the good graces to maybe become a worker for his dad because he was so destitute. And again, this, this is a relationship not as much about the son but about the father. So it says, while he was still a far way off, the father saw him. And the father got up and jetted. He ran to that son. And the first time I heard this, I was in high school, and I, was, I didn't know anything. I didn't know the Bible or anything else, but I heard this. 
guy, this coach, talking about it, and I was thinking, the father's just going to lay into him. And he's basic, because he deserved it, right? The right thing, the relationship, right? Give and take, give and take with relationship with your buddies, with your pals, with your spouses. But the father said, I thought he was going to say, dude, like, okay, like you're going to earn your way back and you have a debt to pay. But here's what the father did. It says he ran and he grabbed him and he hugged him and he kissed him. By the way, if you ever see my son Johnny, he's going to go, yeah, dad's still kissing me. <laughs> and he lets me, and I love it. He says he kissed him, and then he said, get the best ring, the most expensive ring that I have. And Jesus, it's a story, but Jesus told this story in Luke 15. He said, get the most expensive ring and bring it, put it on his finger. He says, the best garment that I have, this robe that's like royalty, bring it, put it on him. Get the best calf that we have, this, the perfect one, the fatted calf, and, and kill it and call all the neighbors and the friends and family. We're having a barbecue to end all barbecues. And the son was, uh, Dad, but I'm, I'm sorry. And, I, and he says, nah. And, and along the lines of like, why are you doing this to me? And the father said, because you were away from me. You were lost. And now you're back. And I have you with me. I like to think about this story that night in the dad's bedroom, and I'm thinking the dad might be a widower, and the son comes, knocks on the door after the party, after everybody's gone, and here's what I think happened. The son came in and looked at the dad, and the dad's got this love because he's got a son back. And if you've ever had somebody that you love so much and they came back, you know. And the son looked at the dad and said, I don't get it. I don't get it. And that's, that's my why. And that, I believe, is the son's why, because the father just loved the son. So as we conclude, do you remember your why? Was there a point when you were forgiven and you didn't deserve it or you were blessed or you were honored or he saved your rear end. He has not taken my sins and they're dark and put them online. He protects me. I am that one lost sheep and I want to tell people how good he is. Do you remember your why that you would worship him? In Revelation chapter 2, they're talking to a church, and it says, it's the church at Ephesus, modern-day Turkey. Yet I told you this, I have this against you. You have forsaken the love that you had at first. Consider how far you have fallen. And then, there, and, then and this is written by a guy named John who was put out to this island at Patmos, and God's revelation unveiling was given to him. And I think for me, I need to have ears to hear what God is saying because this has been me so many times I've danced to this song and he says repent and do the things you did at first the prodigal son that night he was there but what would happen if the prodigal son if he just started going through the motions and started complaining about what he did or didn't have and just looked out for him we don't know because we don't have a back half of the story Jesus told the, the first story so I don't know where, I don't know really hardly anybody in here, 
but I do know that God does. And no matter where you're sitting, no matter where you're at, no matter what you've done, whether it's in secret or whether it's up front, by the way, there's no hidden sin. Just It's a fact, and I keep relearning that. I try to hide my sin. There's none. How crazy is it that the Lord sees my filth and says, come here, I want to forgive you, I want to clean you, I want to reinstate you, I want to, I want to put that holy robe on you. Holy, he makes us holy. The crazy thought is, I, I almost can't say it, I'm holy. Thinking, but I didn't deserve it exactly. Amen. Somebody else paid my price. And it's been paid. I owe him everything. As we transition into communion, and Chris, there's no, there's no worship right on communion. Okay. So as we transition into communion, there's just a couple of things, I, and I think that this would be apropos today for communion as we close this off. And tell them I'll call them back later. Um, as we transition into communion in, 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 in 1 Corinthians, it's kind of cool because Paul writes this letter to the church that's kind of jacked up. They, they, they started out of the gate great like me, and they screw it up. And he says, remember, it's, it's uh, 1 Corinthians eleven twenty six. I don't know if it's, it's up there but uh, on that part, but I want to share with you the second part. For whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Proclaim. That means getting on the rooftop and you're shouting it. So as you're taking communion, you're saying, I'm just not going juice and bread or the cracker and, and wine or grape juice, I'm actually proclaiming, because those are the elements that the Lord said to do, proclaiming the Lord's death. And also, re please remember this, it cost. He was falsely accused. I don't know if you've ever been falsely accused of something before. I have. It jacks you up. It hurts to be falsely accused of something. They did that to Jesus. Not just that, they, they arrested him. He didn't speak, he didn't try to defend himself. They pulled out his beard. If you had your hair or beard pulled, it's hard. They, they took a crown, they took, a, took these thorns, and I've been to the Middle East and I've seen these. They're like spikes and they made a fake crown and they, they made fun of him and they put it on his head and sunk it down in his head. They blindfolded him, and this cost him. I, I, I boxed for a couple of years when I was in college, and I wasn't any good. I was the person that got hurt a lot. And I realized that I, I had a, um, a swollen eye, and I could barely see out of it, but we were sparring. And I remember getting hit really hard and actually knocked out because I couldn't see this punch, and that's why they stopped fights. So in, in boxing, if somebody's throwing a punch, you, you, you move it so you don't take the brunt of the punch. So if your eye gets closed and you can't see that they stop the fight because you'll just get brain damage. You'll get jacked because you can't, you can't slip the punch. So when they're boxing, they're always slipping the punches so they don't take it full on. So they blindfolded him and they were slugging our Lord in the face. They were hitting his face and he couldn't see. He couldn't defend himself. They spit on his face. And with the whole father-son relationship, if you spit on my son's face, 
it's on. And the father allowed this to happen. He appointed it because there had to be a penalty paid. So as we get ready for communion, think about the price that was paid. Then they, they took him to the cross. They stuck nails right through his hands and his feet. And then I think the worst of the worst is the father had to turn his back on the son. And for the first time that we know of, they were separated. And Jesus said, my God, my God, why have thou forsaken me? They were separated because Jesus, who knew no sin, actually became sin. He became that prisoner that went to jail, and, and he was guilty, even though he never sinned. So as we take communion, as you remember when we take communion, we'll do this in just a second. Just know the flogging that he took that ripped his body apart. The beating, the spit, the crown of thorns, the false, the false accusation. He did that so that we could become holy. So as we take communion, it says that we, we proclaim the Lord's death, the death. So remember what he did for you as we take communion. So if they're on the backs of the... Yeah, yeah. Could, could I get one? So on the night that he was betrayed... Jesus took the cup, uh, or he took the uh, bread, and he broke it. So go ahead and take this out. And I'm not sure how you're doing this, how you normally do this, but um, that's how we're doing it today because I'm in charge. <laughs> but the beating that he took, not just his face, but the flogging that he took, the beating that he took, the physical beating, he said, take this in remembrance of me for your healing, for your healing. Thank you, Lord, for what you did, for your being willing to be broken. And Heavenly Father, we thank you for sending your son to take that beating for our healing, our emotional, our physical, our spiritual healing. In Jesus' name, amen. Go ahead and take the bread. And then the same night he took the cup, and only he could do this to make us holy. He took the cup and he said, take this cup. This is my blood for not just the remission, the forgiveness, to wipe away your sins, but to make you holy. Lord, thank you so much for willing to lie down your life, to let the life-giving blood that flowed through your, vein, through your veins be spilled out and for your death, for the forgiveness of our sins. We love you, Jesus. Amen. And take the cup. Close in prayer. All right. Um, as we close in prayer, it's not going to be a long prayer. But I'm going to ask, as we talked about, could, could your memory, is it jogged at all for what the Lord did? And I simply want to say as we pray, just thank you, thank you, thank you. So would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, there is nothing that we can do to make the relationship equal. We're indebted to you and we love you. We love you because you loved us when we were messed up, jacked up sheeps that have gone astray. I pray, Father, that this week and even today and even now, what we do would be because of your love for us. We love you. In Jesus' name. And everyone said, Amen. Amen. Thanks, you guys. I think that's it. That's it.